back to the Bitcoin layer. Today we're going to be talking about GBTC. It's been in the headlines quite frequently as of late. Uh, it's a discount to NAV. What exactly that means? A lot of drama going on between uh, Gemini and Genesis and Digital Currency Group. You may have seen some slander being thrown back and forth from the Winklevoss twins, or the Winklevi, as they're colloquially known, and uh, Barry Silbert of DCG. We're going to talk about all that today, and joined with me is Sam Callahan, an extremely well-read individual on this particular subject. He's the lead analyst over at Swan Bitcoin. Sam, how's it going, man? Uh, good, Joe. Thanks for having me on, man. excited for the conversation. Absolutely. Most definitely. You know, we, we like to bring on experts in their respective fields for uh, discussions and lecture style videos. And we figured there was no one better uh, than you. You've been mobbing on the TL about GBTC as of recently. Uh, you've made several appearances um, on a few other shows as well. Uh, so why don't you explain to the viewers what the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust is and uh, sort of the issue that's been surrounding it for the last couple of years as the value of its fund, i.e. the Bitcoin that are being held, uh, is worth more than the share price itself. Yeah, so um, Grayscale Bitcoin Trust is a security, first and foremost. So this isn't financial advice, just for educational purposes only. I'm not a financial advisor. We'll flash that up on screen, NFA. Yeah, <laughs> and actually, full disclosure, I'm actually a, a GBTC shareholder. Um, I rolled over a 401k years ago, so I actually technically am. So I wanted to full disclosure there. Um, so uh, Grayscale Bitcoin Trust it's a trust that holds Bitcoin in it. So big surprise. It's also the largest Bitcoin trust in the world. And so um, it's what you call a closed-end trust. So it allows uh, investors to get exposure to Bitcoin without buying the underlying Bitcoin itself. And so this was really popular investment vehicle because um, people in tax-advantaged accounts like 401ks, or IRAs couldn't get exposure to Bitcoin for many, many, many years. Um, and so this GBTC product was really popular because it was a security and they could buy it in these accounts. And so it grew and grew and grew in terms, in, and now it's the largest trust in the world. There's about 635,235 Bitcoin or around 3.3% of Bitcoin circulating supply in this trust now. And so um, to understand like what the like what's the problem here and how it functions, um, we need to like really look under the hood. And GBT functions in that it, it allows people to basically give Grayscale, the sponsor of the trust, um, Bitcoin, and then they create shares. And then the way they create shares is in something called a private placement. A private placement is just uh, when. Uh, securities are issued uh, to accredited investors that aren't available to the public. And so only accredited investors, which is just investors with 200000 in income or 300000 if they have with their spouse or greater than a million dollars in net worth, they could have access to these private placements. Now, part of those private placements is there's about lockup periods where they can't sell the shares um, for about six months for, for this particular trust. And so they, they give the grayscale Bitcoin, they get issued these shares, and they have to hold on for them for six months. And then after the six-month lockup period, they kind of hit the open market. And then those shares can trade. And so there's the lag effect here where the shares can trade at a different price to what they're buying uh, the original shares for. Because when they, when they give the Bitcoin originally, they get that at NAV. 
and that's important net asset value and then once the once the shares are unlocked if the six month uh lockup period the shares trade just with the open market so the the price of the shares of gbtc shares can fluctuate above and below nav and nav is just called net asset value and it's just the just think of it as the total amount of bitcoin divided by the number of gbtc shares and ideally you'd want that nav to be equal um, you'd want the shares to be trading at a value that's equal to the underlying Bitcoin, but when it trades above it, it trades at something called a premium. And when the shares trade below it, it's trading at a discount. And today it's trading at about a 40% discount to NAV. Well said, extremely succinct. Uh, I think our viewers got a lot out of that because obviously GBTC has been in the headlines, but, um, not many people know what it is or, or what sort of investors would want to purchase exposure to this instead of uh, normal Bitcoin, right? Um, and, and so basically, since uh, I'm looking at the chart here, and we'll flash it up on screen, Matt, for the editor. Um, since basically March uh, of 2021, we've been in this extreme downtrend uh, of a discount on GBTC. So um, GBTC has been net sold <clears throat> since, uh, you know, just after we reached the, uh, the first all-time high, or, uh, just before we reached the first all-time high uh, two Mays ago. That sounds crazy to sounds crazy to say. I can't I can't help but uh, remember. But now I can't help but forget that last year was a down only year for Bitcoin and also GBTC. Um, we we basically been in this huge downtrend uh, for GBTC uh, all the way to a fifty percent discount to net asset value. So GBTC um, and the the parent company Grayscale and the parent company them DCG, um, you know they have been faced with this extreme sell pressure. On GBTC, but they're basically bag holding all of the Bitcoin um, that that they had. Is there any way that um, legally DCG can get rid of this Bitcoin within uh, the fund itself in order to narrow that discount a little bit, or are they uh, can they can they not do that whatsoever? Does that have to do with the fact that it's a closed end trust, or is this an issue that's exclusive to uh, closed end trusts, and that like an ETF? Uh, unlike an ETF, rather, they don't have a redemption mechanism. Um, is that why uh, Grayscale can't sell the underlying Bitcoin in order to narrow that nav up a little bit? Well, the way trust works, like even the sponsor couldn't reach their hand in and, and take the Bitcoin or anything, but they could allow redemptions, which would be, you know, uh, any kind of shareholder could with, uh, trade in their shares for the underlying Bitcoin in the trust at nav. And that's just allowing a redemption program. Now, GPTC and, and Grayscale, in the beginning, in like 2014, they were actually doing this. They were allowing redemptions and issuing shares, and they got in trouble with the SEC. Uh, they got a slap on the wrist, and they said, hey, you can't do that. That's in violation of a Reg M, um, because that's what an ETF is. An ETF, you're able to sell, uh, you're, either, you're able to redeem shares and issue shares at the same time. And that keeps uh, ETFs kind of trading at NAV really well. But you have to get approved for uh, ETF to be able to do that or else you're in violation of Reg M. And so they got in trouble for that. And in 2016, they basically stopped doing any kind of redemption program. So they were only issuing shares. And so that's when uh, the trust became what you know many people have said. It's like Hotel California where you only check in and you can't check out with this Bitcoin because it, the Bitcoin can't leave ever. It just gets stuck there. So this was actually a huge source of uh, buying pressure on spot Bitcoin because um, a lot of these institutions were basically buying um, 
the 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 GBTC shares and giving them Bitcoin, the Bitcoin would get locked in the trust, um, and then they would just get the GBTC shares, but the, the Bitcoin would never leave. Um, and so there is a way for them to do this, and they 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 can just allow redemptions right now. And and the reason they can do that is because they're not issuing any more shares, Joe. Like they haven't issued any new shares since Q1 of 2021. And so technically, because since they're not issuing shares right now, they can allow redemptions. Um, but they haven't been doing that because if they allow redemptions, then people are going to take their GBTC shares, which are trading at a 40% discount. They're going to say, hey, I'm going to redeem these for Bitcoin at NAV. And basically, that's an arbitrage trade where they collect 40% instantly. Um, or they would just take the Bitcoin, right, and, and not sell it for cash. But um, that would decrease the AUM of the fund and decrease the fees that Grayscale um, receives and at a time when they're really cash strapped. And so they don't want to allow redemptions for selfish reasons, even though it would close that discount for all the GPTC shareholders. Um, but they don't want to do that because it would take Bitcoin out of the trust and it would kind of open up that Hotel California and uh, they don't want their fees to go down. So they could do it, um, but they're not doing it. So that's kind of why there's uh, lawsuits going on right now. That's why there's a lot of uh, the shareholder activism with the redeemgbtc.com from David Bailey, um, you know, because it's not right. It's, it's, it's the GBTC shareholders that ultimately are getting harmed by these actions. Right. That was a wonderful explanation. So in, in normal times, if, uh, let's say, Grayscale was still operating GBTC like an ETF, i.e. they were still issuing shares, they would be, that would preclude them from having a redemption mechanism. But because they haven't issued any shares whatsoever in nearly two years, uh, they have the ability to open up the floodgates, allow GBTC holders to redeem their GBTC for Bitcoin, uh, the, the underlying net asset value uh, that they hold. But uh, they're, they're deliberately choosing not to. And I think that was a piece that I was missing, that they're choosing not to and why they collect a juicy 2% management fee every year. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and this is actually the, the Grayscale lawyer came out yesterday and he said, for anybody saying that we could offer redemptions right now outside of Reg M, you're obviously not an attorney because it's more complex than that, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, when I asked him, impressed him about like what complexity he's talking about, um, he couldn't get, he didn't give me any, uh, you know, response um, because it seems to me, and I'm not the only one that they could. And that's why there's a lawsuit going on with Birtree because, um, you know, there's no reason since they're not issuing shares anymore because nobody's giving them Bitcoin anymore because it's trading at a 40% discount. <laughs> so, you know, nobody's, um, going to them, giving them Bitcoin and getting GBTC shares, having it illiquid for six months. And then when they hit the open market, they have to, you know, they basically lose 40% instantly. <laughs> so nobody's giving them Bitcoin anymore. They're not issuing any new shares. And so technically um, they wouldn't be in violation of Regem if they allowed redemptions right now. And so they've been using this as, you know, cover um, to say, Hey, no, we can't do this. We'd be breaking the law, blah, blah, blah. But you know, it doesn't seem to be true with everything I read. I'm not a lawyer, but um, just doesn't. It seems like it's a cop out, right? So in actuality, they can, but they continue at, at every single turn. They're saying, "Oh, regam, regam, regam." We can't convert to an ETF, 
and then uh, you know it sort of allows them to to save face in this sort of scenario and you have their attorney also making appeals to authority that's my favorite and that generally that's generally indicative when somebody's catching on when uh you you're trying to ask them a genuine question um and they say well are you an ex are you a doctor are you a, are you a lawyer are you a mathematician it generally shows that you're on the right so it sounds like it sounds like what you've discovered and what the regime gbtc campaign is all about they're pretty much on the right track here yeah and you know this kind of gets into their etf the whole thing with their etf because they've been trying to convert this thing to an etf for a long time and it's important to understand why um you know an etf is a better investment vehicle for for a lot of reasons basically for shareholders because it it you would basically remove all these premiums and all these discounts it tracks the underlying better um and but with gbtc or grayscale specifically um you know they're basically using the gbtc shareholders as hostage right now to try to get the sec to approve their etf proposal and they want the uh, the etf proposal because it's the best of both worlds for them it would close the discount almost immediately if their etf was approved and it would happen in a way where bitcoin wouldn't leave the trust all right so that the fees wouldn't really go down at least for a while eventually they would have to decrease the fees just because the two percent annual fee is ridiculous and and like etf fees are much lower but they think since they would be the only etf on the market then they would there'd be enough inflows and and that would be such a popular product that it would offset them having to reduce their annual fee rate and so they the, the etf a perfect solution for them they think of it as a win-win oh it's good for shareholders and it's good for us because the bitcoin stays in the trust and and we will get all these inflows i mean it would probably break records it would probably the the first bitcoin etf would break volume records i think on like the first day and it would all go to grayscale so they would love that um now here's the deal like they could ask for reg m relief right now and reg m relief is something where you go to the SEC, like, hey, look at this, like investors are getting harmed. Look at this huge discount. Just allow us to issue and redeem shares at the same time, um, you know, so we could help out these shareholders and they could uh, redeem in kind in Bitcoin or at NAV and it would help shareholders out. But they won't do that because if Reg M is good for GBTC shareholders, it would close the discount. But again, that would, that would suck Bitcoin out of the trust. And so that's why Grayscale hasn't gone the Reg M redemption or exemption route because it would take Bitcoin out of the trust for them. And that's why you have Valkyrie Investments who's raising their hand saying, hey, um, they're, they're mismanaging the trust. We'll become the sponsor. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go and ask for Reg M exemption and we're going to reduce the annual fee because they, they're trying to appeal to GBTC shareholders because honestly, Valkyrie wants this cash cow because uh, this is a very, very profitable um, investment vehicle for the sponsor. And there's a lot of annual recurring revenue with the fees. I mean, it's still making a ton of money. It's made $900 million in fees since the beginning of 2021. It still brings in 230, 200 to $300 million in fee every year. Um, so, so that's kind of what's going on. And so... It's not like Grayscale is this angel trying to get the ETF of the shareholders because they have opportunities and avenues right now that they could help their GBTC shareholders out. But they're going to the SEC and they're being like, you got to help these shareholders out. 
And it's their leverage, right? It's like, hey, you got to help these people out. You got to approve this ETF because that's what they want. So they're basically using their own shareholders as a bargaining chip, essentially. And it's the it's the GPC right. shareholders that are getting hurt by it. Right, because at the end of the day, the SEC, or at least what they claim to be all about is investor protection, investor protection. And so yep. Grayscale is in a situation where they have the ability to say, oh, you're not protecting investors. And so they, they go to the SEC, but in actuality, Grayscale themselves have the ability to protect investors and work in their best interest, but it's not in Grayscale's own financial interest to do that, right? It's yeah. not in their it's not in their financial inter interest to get Reg M relief. <clears throat> it's not in their financial interest to, since they're not issuing shares anymore, open up redemptions, but it is in their financial interest to essentially hold uh, the shareholders hostage, not allow redemption, and then go to the SEC and opine on customer protection. Um, exactly. Wow, remarkable yeah. stuff. Yeah, and the SEC, like, uh, it kind of becomes political too, because for a couple reasons, like, if even if you go and ask for Reg M exemption, it's like Grayscale's currently suing them. <laughs> so they're not exactly like best friends right now and being like, hey, we're going to help you out, right? You know, SEC would have to take the high road and be like, all right, this is for the investors, even though we hate these guys. <laughs> um, but also the SEC. You know, when, when you approve Reg M, like I said, that's how ETFs work. And so I don't think the SEC would want to come across as being favorable to the crypto industry right now. And, and again, this is Bitcoin, but, you know, it's, it's conflated right now in terms of regulators' eyes. And they're, they're in the wake of FTX and everything else. They don't want to come across as favorable to this industry, I don't think. So I don't, I don't really expect them to help out at all with this. Um, and so unless they get a ton of pressure from from shareholders themselves, this is why I think the Redeem GBTC campaign uh, run by David Bailey of Bitcoin Magazine is, is important because if, if shareholders start to organize, then their voices become louder, right? And, and they, they kind of wield a bigger sword. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the situation right now. And, and so I'm not that bullish on reg M exemption if grayscale asks for it but if the sponsor chains and valkyrie asks for it then that i think the odds improve drastically where the sec would be like all right like you're not suing us and i get it and so we're gonna give you again exemption but switching sponsors is a whole nother can of worms and that's not something that's easily done indeed yeah it, it sounds like there'd be a, a pretty intense regulatory framework that the the trust itself would need to go through in order to to switch sponsors but the sponsor themselves they seem to be in at least financially relatively speaking hot water um all throughout the year dcg has had exposure to uh basically every single uh institution uh that went up in flames in, in one way or another um you know uh blockfi dumped 100% of its GBTC bags, 3AC dumped 100% of its GBTC bags. Uh, as of September, Grayscale picked all of them up as of its last quarterly filings. You don't have the Q4 filings, but the Q3 yeah. filings show that Grayscale picked basically all of the GBTC up that was dumped by these institutions. And also DCG, right, through its various tentacles, um, not in a derogatory way, just tentacles because it is a, a large and uh, sort of all-encompassing parent company. It also had counterparty exposure. Uh, to several of these institutions that went belly up. Yep. Do you think that what's going on now with Grayscale holding up redemptions, 
do you think, I, I think you've already, you've, you may have already answered this to some degree, but do you think that if Grayscale were to allow redemptions and investors ran for the exits, um, do you think that that would put DCG, given that they own so much of GBTC, um, do you think that would put DCG in even more financial hot water than they already are? And so it's sort of, it, it might be DCG that's, you know, basically, you know, obviously not connected. We're just a parent company, whatever. Um, they're sort of making this decision more so than Grayscale, because right now um, the parent company is in an extremely financially fickle uh, position. Yeah. I mean, they would probably tell you that it's, you know, they're a separate company and we don't. Uh, but we've we've seen like through that. the last year yeah. how separate <laughs> these companies really are with yeah. FTX and Alameda. Oh, we're separate companies, right? So they, you know um, that that term within within Bitcoin, Bitcoin and crypto more broadly, it, it's extremely loose. Uh, if not, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I I no. So I I think allowing redemptions would really put them in a bind right now uh, at a time where they're extremely cash strapped and and their balance sheet is not looking good. At a time when one of their major subsidiaries, you know, Grayscale's their cash cow, but Genesis is number two. And if that went under, um, and and we haven't talked about the loans they have with them, but their balance sheet's not looking good right now, and that would be their main revenue uh, source, essentially uh, going down. Because I, I think I think people would run for the exits. Um, I think a lot of people are, are spooked right now who own GBTC. A lot of institutional investors are kind of spooked right now. And they're they are like I want to get out of this thing, and so I think the the Bitcoin held in the trust would get drained down pretty rapidly um, in in the event that they allowed redemptions. Now it's interesting because they are the the major shareholder of GBTC, so if they allowed redemptions, um, you know they could they're they they basically would get that that arbitrage they would benefit from it as the discount came closer up to NAV. Um, now, I don't think that the gains from that price appreciation of the shares would offset the outflows of Bitcoin in the trust. So I think the AUM would fall more than what they would benefit from just the discount closing, if that makes sense. Um, so I think it would put them in a, in a tough spot. And, and again, I, I think that's the big reason of why they're not doing it. Um, and so DCG is in a, in a tricky spot for sure. I mean... Um, the whole the whole mess with Gemini and and the Genesis creditors and the loans between Genesis and DCG, I mean, and and apparently there's another there's an investigation now that Barry Silbert, the CEO of DCG, denies he knows anything about. But there's also reports from Bloomberg and others that they are getting investigated for these intercompany loans between Genesis and DCG. Now this is where the shareholders have a lot of rights. If there's any kind of criminal wrong, like a wrongdoing or criminal activity happening, um, if there's commingling of funds or something like that, you know, you could basically say that they are in breach of trust and the courts could get them to force to change sponsors. So that's one avenue where the sponsors could could change, which is good for GBTC shareholders, because like I said, Valkyrie um, has said that they would offer Reg M relief and 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 there's a lot of there's a lot of other buyers that would be like yeah I want this GBTC trust I mean we're talking like big Fidelity Blackrocks um, would look at this thing and, and firms like Valkyrie and take it over and I think they would run it better personally because you can't really get much worse <laughs> than what Grayscale has been doing 
for these GBCC shareholders. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just kind of a mess. It does seem like a big mess, and and we'll talk about the paths forward for GBTC sort of probabilistically, whether that's um, you know, <laughs> uh, obviously uh, criminal activity. Um, the if that were to occur, and then a sponsorship yeah. change, but you know whether that's dissolution. Uh, just continuing to collect management fees, Occam's razor, nothing happens. Um, we, we, we do see Reg M relief. We do see a sponsorship change. Uh, I'm curious before we, before we talk about that though, um, what you've been taking a look into in regards to the intercompany loans uh, between DCG and Genesis. Obviously, they're, they're in heat right now with Gemini. Uh, Gemini's earned program uh, you know, was taking client funds on the Gemini platform and then lending them out to, D, uh, to Genesis, um, who was then uh, lending them out and collecting these fat spreads, uh, lending it back to Gemini, giving it back to customers. And so um, after Genesis, I, I often get Genesis and Gemini confused, two similar three syllable words that start with G. Um, now that Genesis is having issues and, and Gemini earn uh, has been uh, effectively, I think as of yesterday, the day before, it's been completely discontinued. Um, and obviously clients can't access their funds anymore. Uh, they, they're in heat over there, Gemini and Genesis. Yeah. What is going on with the intercompany loans between DCG and uh, Genesis themselves? I hear there's a 1.5 billion promissory note. I've seen uh, things about $175 million worth of uh, um, uh, unsecured lending between parties. Walk us through what's going on there. Yeah, it goes back to Genesis. Let's start with Genesis because Genesis was the big prime broker in the industry. They were a, um, you know, FINRA licensed broker dealer. They, they, everyone used Genesis. They were kind of like the gold standard in the industry for these institutional investors to get loans. And they have three different products there. They have Genesis trading, Genesis custody, and Genesis lending. And lending is where all these problems happen because their lending standards were just atrocious. I mean, just it's unbelievable um, their underwriting of these loans. I mean, it's it's seriously incredible. Yeah, when people um, look at crypto and they say it's the future of finance, oftentimes what they're talking about is these extreme spreads, right? But yeah. but often it's just unbelievable amounts of credit risk that you're incurring. People people take a look at this and and say it's the future of finance, but in actuality you're just lending to the riskiest borrowers out there. And it sounds like that was Genesis's entire business model. Yeah, and they were just giving out these loans. Um, so the way lending works, so they get funding from all different kinds of places. One of those fundings was Gemini Earn, which we'll, we'll touch on later. Um, but they get that, and then you know they lend it out, and they were lending it to like Three Arrows Capital, and they were, we were lending like two point three six billion dollars to them, and the collateral that they received was just a bunch of shit coins. That were just like there were shit coins, and then there was also illiquid GBTC shares. You know, I talked about that six month lockup period, and um, when that premium changed to discount, um, the biggest shareholder was th Three Arrows Capital, the hedge fund, and they bought that GBTC on leverage from Genesis. And then when they were when they realized that it was, the discount flipped, they basically knew like we are screwed in six months, like we we're screwed. And they started to look around for yield wherever, and they got more USD from Genesis. And they used the GBTC that they bought on leverage as collateral for more USD. And then they turned around and they got, they got USD from everyone. They got USD from Voyager, Celsius, BlockFi. 
Three Arrows Capital just like literally got like I think Voyager, not yeah, Voyager gave him like a billion dollars unsecured, <laughs> like just absolutely absurd. And and then what they did was they just went to DeFi. They went to like the riskier. This was like yield farming over the summer. They found these yields that kind of matched what they were getting with the GBTC premium that no longer existed. And they, they kind of filled that hole, but then they were in this riskier, riskier shit. And so once it all exploded, once Terra Luna crashed, Three Arrows Capital just went belly up and that reverberated back to Genesis. And Genesis suddenly had a $1.1 billion hole in its book. And that's when DCG, the parent company, came in and gave them, basically assumed that loss from Three Arrows Capital on their balance sheet and then took out a $1.1 billion promissory note, which is just usually, it's just like a short-term loan usually, but this was a 10-year loan, um, and $1.1 billion promissory note that became an asset on Genesis Books. So it filled that hole from the loss that they experienced with when Three Arrows Capital blew up. And, and that put uh, DCG in kind of a more um, fragile state financially, right? So now they have a $1.1 billion loan with one of their uh, subsidiaries. And so then, then they also, once the discount started to widen completely, like down to like 20%, what you mentioned before is DCG took out a loan from Genesis, another loan from Genesis, $575 million loan. And they turned around and they, they bought a bunch of GBTC shares to try to prop up that discount. And there's a rule, there's one rule 144A, which means that if you are the issuer of that um, security, you can only sell 1% of the outstanding supply every quarter. So why that matters is because it's extremely illiquid for them. Like they can't get rid of that position anytime soon. They, it's, it's very slow going. It's a rule uh, for any kind of securities laws. It's, it's rule 144A where they can't sell more than 1% of the outstanding supply. And so they suddenly took all these loans and then put them in very illiquid and, and like a long-term 10-year loan. And so it became a maturity issue in terms of insolvency because then what happened was FTX blew up. And Genesis also got hit by FTX because like you said, Genesis had its hands in every single blow up. And so when FTX blew up after that, that was like the final nail in the coffin. They had already been bailed out over a billion dollars from their parent company. DCG is looking around like, I don't have any more cash to bail you out. Like, you're, you know, whatever. And then FTX goes down and Genesis, suddenly people start to get freaked out and their customers start to withdraw. They start to get a bank run. And so that means you have immediate... Uh, you know, you need that cash immediately to try to fund those withdrawals. But instead, you have this 10-year uh, loan with your parent company, and you have a bunch of illiquid GBTC on your books too because, because you got that from the collateral uh, from the loan from Three Arrows Capital, and you have a bunch of illiquid GBTC shares, GBTC shares and long-term debt held with your parent company, and you need to fund these withdrawals now. And that's when they froze withdrawals. And that's when they were basically insolvent. And, and so it, it's all connected. And so now you have Gemini, who's like, okay, we have 340,000 Gemini earn users who are clients of Gemini who can't access their funds because Genesis is insolvent. And that's kind of what the situation is now. And that's why you have the Winklevi 
uh, yelling at Barry Silbert and they're all getting together trying to figure it out. But it seems like negotiations are breaking down. And every day this passes, I think it increases the likelihood that this is going to end up in courts, in a court. It does seem like it's going to end up in a court. It seems every single morning I'm waking up to a new tweet from Cameron Winklevoss, uh, where it's uh, it's you know a four image thread where he goes into different analogies about how awful of a man Barry Silver did, et cetera, et cetera. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's pretty colorful with his language, honestly. Oh yeah, to say the I mean, it's entertaining if nothing else. You know, at the bear market, in the bear market, this is the kind of stuff that you want. Uh, you know, bringing it back to GBTC, um, I suppose to 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 wrap this up here and really give our viewers sort of a sense of of what may happen to the trust, whether if they're owners or if they aren't. Um, you know, obviously, again, flash the not financial advice on the screen, uh, yeah. Matt. We're not telling you uh, to go out, pick up some GBTC, and bet on that. Uh, bet on that redemption. It's not what we're telling you to do. We're going to walk through some of the, the the probabilities for GBTC heading forward. So. Uh, David Bailey, we want to have him on the show. Uh, he's an extremely busy guy right now, understandably so, uh, ha has created the Redeemed GBTC campaign. And as of right now, if I'm not mistaken, Sam, they have over 25% uh, or 30% of GBTC holders yeah. that have signed that. Yeah, he said uh, closer to 30 now. Yeah, it's uh, it's remarkable. And exactly like you said, that the, the more uh, signatories that they have, uh, in that campaign that, you know, obviously they have more weight behind them to go to uh, the SEC or Grayscale and, uh, and get this figured out and, and get more favorable conditions for shareholders. Um, but, yeah. but in my mind, I wrote a little while back, uh, back in November, and just off the top of my mind, I put these scenarios out there in a tweet. I wrote uh, scenarios, one, collect management fees until ETF conversion, right? You know, sort of Occam's razor, Grayscale is obviously in heat with the SEC to get that ETF converted right now. Um, or uh, dissolution of the trust, which doesn't seem like it's, it's going to happen now, um, or buy out from a JP Morgan, a Fidelity, a BlackRock, any of these other entities who've expressed interest. Um, and as of right now, um, now being on this podcast, uh, with you, I've also just learned about, uh, two other potential paths. Um, uh, one being, uh, Reg M relief and the other being uh, since GBTC hasn't issued any new shares in ages, they could simply allow redemptions to occur, but that would be unfavorable for them. What do you feel probabilistically is the path moving forward uh, for GBTC out of all of those possible scenarios that I just listed or potentially some that you may have? Um, what do you think the path forward looks like for the fund? Well, or the trust, I should say. They're not a fund yeah, yet. They want to be yeah, yeah. a fund. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd say it could happen in kind of stages. I think we'll, we'll probably enter the stage where um, DCG will try to raise cash in a lot of different ways. Um, I think you'll start to see them sell off their venture portfolio, whatever they can get for Coindesk and uh, Foundry and these other, if there's any value there, they'll try to raise some cash. They could, they could sell like part ownership in the trust if they wanted to, like a BlackRock or Fidelity. I've heard rumors of them shopping that around because you got to understand if they sold the whole trust i mean it's their main cash cow like it would basically end dcg if they sold it so i don't uh, you know it's not exactly what they would want to do i don't think um and so i see just this period where they try to raise cash they could try to raise debt but they have a ton of debt already on their balance sheet and they tried to do it didn't really go over that well 
but uh, maybe they were trying to do it at a too high valuation. Uh, when they rose uh, funds last time, they got valued at $10 billion. And I think you'd have to cut that dramatically because that was at the top of the bear or bull market. And so I think you'll have this period where they'll try their best to kind of hold things on. I, I also, I'm, I, I think you can be really critical of DCG for three reasons. One is that the fee is ridiculously high. They haven't changed it at all. Um, they haven't allowed redemptions. And then they allowed all of this leverage even through their own subsidiary Genesis. They pumped in this, all this leverage into this trade, this GBTC trade, which added a bunch of fragility to the system. Having said that, I actually sympathize with their case for, for an ETF. And that's coming in like January or February, I think. Um, and it's not like a non-zero chance that they don't win that. It's just, it's absolutely ridiculous that the SEC approved futures-based ETFs that are cash settled and haven't allowed a spot Bitcoin ETF. Um, it, there's actually a rule where you can't treat uh, two separate um investment products that have the underlying is the underlines the same asset you can't treat them differently that's what they're doing they're denied a spot etf and they approved a futures one and so i it's a scenario that people aren't really talking about but it's not like they don't have a good case and and the sec and they have like all these like comment letters from gptc shareholders like 99.9 percent of these comment letters are in support of the conversion to an etn obviously they want the discount to close um but, you know, it's just all these reasons for why they won't allow a spot Bitcoin ETF makes no sense that they approve a futures-based ETF because futures contracts are inherently more expensive to manage. They don't track the underlying spot price as well as a spot Bitcoin ETF because it's just like a derivative on top of it. And then it's more subject to price manipulation. And so their whole reason for not allowing this is because of manipulation of the spot Bitcoin market. And you can look around now with FTX and be like, wow, they, they had a good case. But you approved a futures ETF, which tracks the underlying spot Bitcoin market that you say is manipulated. And so, um, you know, Fidelity performed a lead lag analysis that basically looked at the price movements of the Bitcoin futures market versus the spot market. And they found that the, the CME, CME Bitcoin's futures market leads the spot Bitcoin market. And what that means is that if you are going to manipulate the Bitcoin market, you're better off doing it in the futures and the spot. And so just recently, the SEC sent back their response to Grayscale. And in it, like obviously Fidelity also wants an ETF, so they're a little biased in their analysis. But in that response but from the SEC, they looked at 18 different lead lag analysis, basically doing the same thing Fidelity found. And they, they basically said it was inconclusive, which is if if it wasn't if it wasn't questionable, they would have said, look, they're wrong. Fidelity's wrong. But obviously they found at least some of those 18 studies found exactly what Fidelity found. Right. But they're not like saying it. And even SEC Commissioner uh, Hester Pierce has said it's almost legendary that they're not allowing to spot Bitcoin ETF. The reasons for resistance um, are difficult to understand. And she was quoted as saying that because it makes no fucking sense. And, and so a uh, potential outcome is that Grayscale actually gets what they want. Okay. And that's what nobody's talking about. They'll actually win the case against the SEC and get the GBTC converted to a spot Bitcoin ETF. Um, now, I think the most likely scenario is that they're removed from as a sponsor. 
and the, and it gets changed to a new sponsor. And there's a lot of different reasons for that. I mean, it could happen because we have the redeemed GBTC campaign going on. And there's a lot of interesting things about that. Like because it's a Delaware trust, um, state security uh, regulators are saying that there are some avenues where they could basically overcome the trust's language and push for shareholder votes on certain things, even if in in the charter, in the trust charter, it says, you know, it's very strict. Basically, shareholders don't have many rights at all when it comes to changing management or changing sponsors. It doesn't matter what they vote on, what majority, as it's written in the trust. But these uh, state security regulators can basically overrule um, if they think that enough investors were harmed. Uh, there's something about unreasonable fees specifically. So that definitely fits. Um, there's also something in the trust, like in terms of, and this is getting into like lawyer talk, but like in terms of contract law, in the contract, um, in the investment contract with GBTC, it says something along the lines of you can't loan um, unseasoned shares, which would be when, when the GBTCs are locked up. And it sounds like that's exactly what they did with three hours capital. <laughs> so that's another, uh, if they can prove mismanagement of the trust, um, then, then they could basically justify a new sponsor. And if the new sponsor happens, then it's, like I said, there's a lot more uh, higher probability that some of these good outcomes happen, like reg M relief and reduction of the fee. Um, you know, in terms of the actual underlying Bitcoin, the only way that happens is like liquidation of the trust, which makes no sense that Grayscale would ever do that voluntarily. Because again, it would kill their cash cow and it basically put it like their business would basically be done. And so, but it could happen in the event of bankruptcy. And so only the sponsor can dictate who liquidates the trust as is written in the, in the trust charter. And so in the event of a DCG bankruptcy, they could say, I'm going to liquidate the trust. And then we could have 635,000 plus Bitcoin hit the market. And obviously that would be bad for the price of Bitcoin. Now in that event, there's an option though, again. So this is when shareholders do have rights in the event of a DCG bankruptcy. Because if they, if greater than 50% of them vote, they could say, no, we don't want you to liquidate the trust. We're going to move to a new sponsor. And so I think there's enough safety nets in place where the liquidation of the trust is just very unlikely. Um, and now that there's organization around the shareholders, we have 30% already uh, in this redeemed GBTC campaign, um, and it's rising pretty rapidly. If we get 50% there, I mean, it's not very hard to imagine like, they'll all vote for not liquidating the trust and it just goes to a new sponsor in the event of a DCG bankruptcy. Um, and so I think these investigations are interesting. If there's any kind of wrongdoing, again, that would be a change of sponsors. So there's a lot of different ways that a, there could be a new sponsor for GBTC, which I think would be a positive outcome uh, for GBTC shareholders. Um, so that's kind of my most likely scenario, I think, or highest probability outcome of how this thing resolves. Um, yeah, I think so. Well said. Well said. So there's a, there's a court case to be had against the SEC for creating a vehicle that allows more readily for price manipulation of Bitcoin. Yeah. But disallowing another one with the reasoning that it will manipulate Bitcoin's price. So there's, there's a case against the SEC, mainly to an ETF conversion. Uh, but there are also more, uh, perhaps more likely cases um, 
in, in state legislature, but also in uh, shareholder organization that could eventually lead uh, to a new sponsor, which uh, you know, most likely Valkyrie, uh, who would offer better terms for shareholders, shareholders rights uh, and, and reg M relief. Um, yeah. Yeah. The one thing we, uh, I don't like, could we, could we just touch on Gemini real quick? Of course. Like, before I go. <laughs> I just I don't want to come across like they're like good guys and all this because I think that they are at fault for this mess equally for offering this product. They created or, this product, yeah. Yeah, the Gemini Earn product. I mean, but today Nexo, Nexo, Nexo just got raided by yeah. Bulgarian authorities for potentially some criminal operation, right? And they were a crypto lending firm. And just last month, they were saying, oh, we're going to leave the U.S. because of our interest-bearing accounts. And I think the reason being is because they started poking around. And obviously, if there's even worse shady stuff going on, but they didn't want to deal with regulators. And it's because of Block, BlockFi paid a $100 million settlement with the SEC because their BlockFi interest accounts were deemed unregistered securities. Okay, And they, that looks exactly like the Gemini Earn program. And that looks exactly like the Nexo. <laughs> I think the SEC just hasn't gotten there yet, right? And so the reason why you're seeing Ty- Cameron Vink- Winklevoss really start to get public about this and really start to get angry that they're not making progress for this negoti- negotiation is because a class action lawsuit happened a couple weeks ago that are basically accusing them of fraud and, and basically listing unregistered securities via their Gemini Earn program. And they're starting to feel the heat and they see a hundred million dollar settlement that BlockFi had to pay. And they're wondering, oh man, bear market, like we can't handle that right now. And so they're like, we got to get this done fast. We got to get negotiations going. This is bullshit. And they're starting to feel the fire every single day that goes by. Just imagine what their client services team has to deal with, with 340,000 Gemini earn customers who can't access their fund. I mean, they're getting blown up every freaking day this goes by. And so they're starting to feel the pressure. Now, when they offered that Gemini Earn program, it's crazy because they didn't even make money on it. It was the, They made like $1 to $3 million total. It was just a user acquisition strategy. So they put on all this risk and risked all their customers' funds, $900 million. And, and now it's completely lost. They didn't even make money off this, this product. But when they did it, so they were offering... Yield. They basically dangled a carrot to all their customers. Said, "Hey, you can you can earn yield on their on their unregistered securities, which most of these things are." And they were like shit coins. Like the these they offered thirty eight different coins on these earn products. So this wasn't like quote unquote blue chip, if you even believe that. It's like literally these like tiny shit coins. And they were like, "Hey, you can earn you can earn you can earn some yield here," and basically acting like a pseudo bank without banking licenses. And that's what the customers use it as. They use it like a savings account, just like a bank. And they, they put their money in there and then they signed these terms of services. And in the terms of services, they said, hey, we're, we did due diligence on this uh, you know, authorized borrower and it was Genesis. And it was the only one they used. So all of the money went to one counterparty, Genesis. And there was talks about how you need to distribute this risk and get different counterparties. And they never did it. And so they, they thought that they did the right due diligence, which they definitely did not in the end. And so they risked their clients' funds. They put them into this thing, and then they did the due diligence to look at Genesis. And obviously, they didn't do their job. And, and now, 
And while they were doing that, while they earned yield, also Gemini took an agent fee for basically doing nothing. They would just take an agent fee and, and skim the top off their clients who were using this product. And so they're just not angels in this whole thing. Um, and so it's just very important to say that this was your product. Um, you know, you risk your clients funds here and you're not like this saint and blaming everything on Barry. Barry's done a lot of blame. SEC has a lot of blame, but you have a lot of blame too. There's a lot of blame to go around for this entire mess. Indeed. Yeah. No, everybody, everybody to some degree is in the wrong and, and Gemini basically took on pure, unadulterated, extremely concentrated risk, uh, wrapped it up as what, what appeared to be to the layman as a bank account. And of course it wasn't, but when you wrap it up on the same platform uh, where you can hold your US dollars and you can hold things that don't generate yield and it's integrated into the platform, there's that assumption on customers. And so they created this product, pure, non-diversified, concentrated risk, uh, and they earned virtually nothing off of it. And now they're also, you know, uh, basically every, every domino that fell last year, Nexo now being raided. Now there's, there's extreme legal precedent that Gemini may be facing a case too. Um, so we asked, we asked the Winkle buy, was it worth it at the end of the day? Was it worth it for the, you know, however many percent extra users you gain because of this program? Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. I, I just, it's unbelievable. And that's why you say like, where does the yield come from? It's like, you're the yield in the, like, literally think of like, you just got, I heard it in here into this earn program and then your funds are used by Genesis to give out to three arrows capital, you know, now you can't access them. And the whole time, uh, Gemini is taking a little agent fee off you the whole time. And that's why you're the yield. And that, and it turns out that yield should have been way higher for the risk you were taking. I mean, it should have been a hundred or <laughs> really it's all a function of excess liquidity. And when you say you're the I, yield, that's exactly correct because Customers parked their money in Gemini Earn. Then Gemini was giving it to Genesis. Genesis was lending out to Three Hours Capital. What was Three Hours Capital doing? They were betting on they were betting on the the movements of the extremely liquid shit coins that the same ones that the Gemini Earn customers were probably speculating on in their free time. And so it's all just a function of excess liquidity. Uh, and and you are the yield is is the perfect statement to encapsulate it all. And now that money has a price, it's really no it's it's no wonder that the first thing to fall last year uh, was was Luna. Uh, was Tara and Luna? Really? You reported on that well uh, at uh, back then too. And now that we're in this period where hikes aren't even over yet, and more than half of the industry is completely industry, I put that in air quotes, is totally decimated. It's just being a bystander for this and, and being somebody who's who's Bitcoin only and, and just watching everything go up in smoke. You know, I feel for the investors, but at the same time, uh, I'm happy to see it all go. Frankly, yeah, I mean, it was just. That's what I, and I think the first thing I say in, in my piece um, was, you know, there's a couple people that can be blamed for this. And one is the Federal Reserve for allowing this ultra low rate environment of rampant speculation. And, uh, you know, when the cost of capital was basically zero, this is the kind of nonsense that starts to develop. And, you know, nobody understood like how interconnected everything was. Um, but it turns out that it was all just one big web of leverage. And this leverage unwind as the Fed went on their fastest, one of their fastest hiking cycles ever. I mean, it just blew it up. And, and you know, no, the Fed's not coming in to save the crypto industry. <laughs> I guarantee you that. Um, so, yeah, man, this is like there's a lot of lessons to be learned 
and and one of them self custody and we're seeing that right that's one of the positives of this we're seeing self custody go up and there's a lot of great education happening and hard lessons learned um but anybody who's like man i just don't want to deal with any of this it's pretty simple you just you, you know buy bitcoin and and take self custody of it and you don't have to worry about any of these things like bankruptcies or or trust charters or what's going to happen um so i think that's like an important lesson to take away from this the one thing i'd say is like it's not all fun and games like like there there is going to be a hit to liquidity in in terms of the general market structure that'll take a little bit while to to rebuild up if say dcg went down at genesis and all these things like uh the amount of liquidity providers is getting kind of thin like <laughs> like turns out there was a lot of fraudulent behavior going on but you know you have ftx you had um and now genesis and all of these lenders and so what's left is like what like coinbase and binance um and and so you're just talking about just like in terms of just general liquidity um it might take a little bit while to build it back up but i think it'll get built back up in a much more sustainable manner with better actors um which is great which is great this is what kind of the creative destruction you want to see in bear markets uh so as a as a bitcoiner you're just kind of sitting here with popcorn um just watching this all play out you know try not to say like i told you so so many times but um yeah it's it's pretty wild man been, it's been a crazy, crazy year, but um, definitely exciting. Indeed, indeed, and it's it's good to to be in your position. It's good to be in my position. It's good being able to cover all of this and have it so exciting and moving moment to moment. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And it seems like moving into twenty twenty three with unemployment rate relatively staying where it is for now and inflation decelerating, it seems like the Fed can hold higher for longer. Thus far, uh, their ability to do so. Uh, seems pretty intact, right? You know, the, the sort of shallow recession narrative uh, is, is holding intact, but that's good for crypto and this creative destruction that you just talked about, because as this positive real cost of capital, which is a phrase that all of these firms have never heard before in their life, as that proliferates uh, throughout the industry and continues decimating all of these entities, it seems like by the time the Fed will have to shift course, we'll, we'll have even more bodies that float to the surface, which is what we want at the end of the day. Yeah, man. And like, yeah, and I say this like I don't want to be callous. Like, I have so much empathy for the victims of this stuff, which is always retail investors, right? It's always mom and pop investors that are the ones hurt by all these things and um, the amount of nonsense that went on in the broader crypto industry and these lending platforms and the leverage. Um, you know, it just it, it sucks, right? And so you have empathy for the victims. Um, hopefully, they don't conflate Bitcoin with with crypto, and they maybe go back to first principles and start learning and educating themselves about risks, about um, what Bitcoin is and why it's different. Uh, that's the hope, right? And so you're just kind of here to educate them on what's going on, talk to them about the options and how this might play out, and then educate them on, on Bitcoin uh, versus crypto. And that's, that's kind of what my focus has been on. And you've been doing it extremely well. Uh, before you get you out of here, Sam, this was a great rip, man. Uh, we, we went super long, but I, I'm, I'm happy that we did. Uh, let people know where they can find you at the Daily Bitcoin around on Twitter. Uh, yeah, so um, I'm on Twitter for the most part. Uh, so at Sam Calla, S-A-M-C-A-L-L-A-H. Um, I'm the lead analyst with Swan and I work at, um, Swan's like a Bitcoin financial services company and I work with our Swan private team mostly. 
Uh, so that's for our high net worth individuals and, and entities, you know, ones that are a little more sophisticated that have different needs than a regular retail investor. Um, so if you're interested in hearing that, I read a lot of the research for that that comes out monthly and biweekly. Um, and so if you're interested, just DM me. I can share you some of that research and, and talk to you about the Swan private service, more of a concierge white glove service. And then um, the Daily Bitcoiner, I write, but I'm actually, dude, I'm actually, tomorrow is my last day writing that. I'm getting a, I'm, I'm taking over Swan Signal, the podcast hosting from Brady, and I'm uh, I'm giving up the Daily Bitcoiner. So I've been writing that for a while, um, but it's going to be in good hands and um, I'm going to be taking over the Swan Signal podcast. So uh, you can see me um, starting to do that in a couple of weeks where we'll just have guests like you and and macro more macro focus show and i'm excited to start that up i love it man good stuff yeah i, I saw that uh, a few uh, a few days ago the announcement congratulations man that's awesome oh thanks dude yeah for sure all right uh well well that concludes uh, that concludes it over here for today uh thanks for stopping by at the bitcoin layer the bitcoin layer is sponsored by voltage enterprise uh grade provider of bitcoin and lightning infrastructure visit voltage.cloud today spin up a note sam thanks again uh, thanks, man. Appreciate it.